Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities. Up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, everybody, the convention is over, and we have the instant analysis to Joe Biden's speech and so much more. Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. We are up late analyzing exactly what you might have saw or not saw. Hopefully not. You're probably a happier person because of it. So please consider supporting our program at charliekirk.com slash support. When you support our program, you support our production team, you support the costs associated with our Two episodes a day. Can you believe it? We do two episodes a day and one on the weekend. So please consider supporting us at charliekirk.com slash support. Email us freedom at charliekirk.com. Buckle up, everybody. Joe Biden spoke. We have the answers. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this live response of The Charlie Kirk Show. You were probably watching the Democrat convention this week, and you probably saw Joe Biden tonight. We have the truth here. Look, Joe Biden and the Democrats, they had their four days of uninterrupted propaganda messaging. There was so much nonsense throughout these last couple of days. We did some live streams to try to give you the truth, and we had some guests throughout the week. I was watching Joe Biden tonight, and I said, I got to address this one-on-one. Joe Biden, it was a really tough evening, I think, for him to get through that entire speech. And he did. Uh, There were some errors throughout. Uh, There were some things where he said things that didn't always necessarily resonate or make sense. But overall, Joe Biden, I think, can say it wasn't a complete and total disaster for him this evening. What really motivated me to make sure we went live tonight was when Joe Biden said, we need to make sure we are compassionate, to make sure that we tell the truth, that we trust science. And then a couple seconds later, Joe Biden goes and says, and America leads the entire world in deaths and new cases. I have no tolerance for this line of lying and falsehoods. It's deception. Now, why would America have the most cases? Is it because we really have the most infected people? Probably not. It's because we have the most testing and we have the most open society. You see, when you have an open society like America, testing is reported the same day. People are demanding accountability from their leaders. So, for example, America is the third most populous country in the world. 
So you have China and India and then America. So America will definitely be in the top three of confirmed cases if those other countries have the same amount of testing. India does not. India has half of their population that is in third world poverty, almost half their population. China is a totalitarian state. And so people are bragging lately in the state-run media, in the activist media, look how great of a job that China has done in response to the Chinese coronavirus. Well, first of all, we do not know the real numbers out of China. They lied about the virus. They covered it up. They let it spread throughout the world. And then our own leaders, Andrew Cuomo, called it the European virus, called it the European virus. So then Joe Biden says, we lead in cases and we are behind the rest of the world. I think he even went as far to say that we lead in deaths. I refuse to believe that China is honestly reporting their death figures. I refuse to believe it. Secondly, even Dr. Dr. Burks said herself that we are taking a more liberal approach. That's a quote, a liberal approach to how we count the Chinese coronavirus deaths. So Joe Biden went out of his way to try to politically capitalize on pain. Yet no one in the activist media went up to Joe Biden and said, what about the H1N1 swine flu epidemic that happened under your watch when tens of thousands of Americans died? No one tried to politicize that. What about during your presidency and vice presidents, the Obama presidency, when over 50 to 60,000 people a year just died from the flu every single year? So you add all that together. Of course, every single death is a tragedy. Every single death is personal. It's a real, it's a real story. However, what I have no tolerance for is for Joe Biden to read a pre-scripted narrative on a teleprompter just for political purposes when it is such absolute garbage. So that was the number one thing that shut me up, that, that really upset me, that really compelled me to do this tonight. Number two was when Joe Biden went again to the lie of Charlottesville. You know that the Democrats have so little to run on when they repeatedly have to attack our amazing president on his response to what happened in Charlottesville, Virginia. In Charlottesville, we all remember what happened. There was a demonstration and there were, you know, there was a massive amount of, of, there was a violent clash that happened. And the president was first talking about the statue incident. And then he said he, he denounced neo-Nazism. He denounced white supremacy as he should, by the way, as true forms of evil. And yet what the press does is they selectively edit when he was talking about the statue issue, and they say that's what he was talking about with the white supremacist issue. That is not, they're intentionally copy pasting it into that. Joe Biden did this again tonight. He said that was the reason why he decided to run. I'll be surprised if Joe Biden even remembers that incident. Mind you, Joe Biden represents the party of segregation. Joe Biden was against busing for his vice presidential candidate. He actually opposed his vice president from being his vice presidential candidate from being bussed to a proper school. Joe Biden opposed being able to have Kamala Harris be able to get in a bus to a better school. Joe Biden and the Democrats are the party of KKK. They're the party of slavery. They're the party that has always cared more about the color of somebody's skin than the content of their character. Joe Biden, for his entire career, played nice with bitter segregationists. Joe Biden played nice with Robert Byrd, who was a racist Southern Democrat. Joe Biden was able to build coalitions with other Southern racist Democrats. It's just until recently where he tries to make himself seem as if I'm all so high and mighty about it. Tell me, Joe, what did you call black men in the 1990s? You called them super predators. Tell me, Joe, what did you say about 7-Eleven? Do you know what Joe Biden said about 7-Eleven? He said, quote, you cannot walk into a 7-Eleven without a slight 
Indian accent. Just stereotyping anyone that works at a 7-Eleven as being as if they are from Indian descent, from the country of India. What did uh, Joe Biden say about Barack Obama? That finally he's been able to find a clean-cut black man to run for the presidency. These are direct quotes from Joe Biden. What does Joe Biden think about black people today? Unlike what Kerry Washington said last night, Joe Biden said that black people are not diverse. Unlike what anyone would say that has any sort of wherewithal and is not a bitter racist, Joe Biden said, quote, if you are not, if you do not vote for me, you are not black. If you do not vote for me, you are not black. Do you know what Joe Biden called a black journalist two weeks ago? Just just got swept under the rug. A junkie. He asked a black journalist if he was on cocaine. This is Joe Biden. Yet tonight he put on a nice appearance. I thought the speech was a big zero in the sense that it was flat line across. But I guess that's a victory for someone that is probably suffering from mental decline. So I have a list of 10 big takeaways from the Democrat convention. But I just needed to start with that, that Joe Biden is a self-serving politician who's been transactional his entire life, who has deep-seated, bitter racism in his heart. He is projecting to the rest of the country. He says, well, we need to eradicate racism in our country. While he himself has been the one that has been against school choice, against any sort of urban revitalization, he has been the one that has been pandering to the most anti-black policies imaginable. Yet he is using this as a Democrat dog whistle, a Democrat dog whistle to try to enthuse the Democrat base. Computer systems in cars are the new normal, from electronically controlled transmissions to touchscreen displays to dozens of sensors. But you can't fix any of these new features yourself. So when something breaks, it could cost you a fortune. And now is not the time for expensive repairs. That's why I have CarShield. It's a terrific product. It's a terrific service. You're going to love it. Why? Because CarShield has affordable protection plans that can save you thousands for covered repair, including computers, GPS, electronics, and more. The people at CarShield understand payment flexibility is an absolute must. Monthly plans can be customized to your needs with rates as low as $99 a month. No long-term contracts or commitments. CarShield gives you options others won't. You get to choose your favorite mechanic or dealership to do the work, and CarShield takes care of the rest. They also offer complimentary 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. For as low as $99 a month, you can protect yourself from surprise and save thousands of dollars for a covered repair. Call 800-CAR-6000 and mention the code Kirk, K-I-R-K, or visit carshield.com and use the code Kirk and save 10%. That's carshield.com, code Kirk, a deductible may apply. So here are 10 takeaways that I think are really interesting that we want to think about tonight. And you guys can email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com right now, and I will read a couple of them as they come in. Freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Number one, one of the things I found very interesting about the last couple days, something that the Democrats did not specifically brag about. In fact, I don't think they even mentioned with any intentionality, intentionally, with any intentionality, intentionality at all, which is, did the Democrats go out of their way to mention that Donald Trump was impeached. This was a huge effort of theirs earlier in the year. Donald Trump was impeached in the House, and he was completely cleared in the Senate. And it makes you wonder, why is it the Democrats didn't talk about this? There was no bragging about it. There was no victory lap. They didn't even go out of their way to say, and the impeached president. I mean, this is a very interesting thing. They might have some polling to reflect that it doesn't do as well as they might think. 
I, I, I would venture a guess that it would actually hurt them to talk about it because it shows that they tried to remove a president just on political purposes and the upper chamber actually acquitted the president. For all of that effort that Adam Schiff put into it, all of the effort that Nancy Pelosi, all of the effort that Chuck Schumer put into it, they did not put any sort of emphasis on impeachment. That was my first takeaway. It was glaringly missing. It was so clear that the Democrats were avoiding the entire issue of impeachment. Now, why? It's because the Republicans and Donald Trump won on the issue of impeachment. It's because despite what the media might, activist media might have told you, the, the, the Democrats tried their best to remove the president and they failed. So the Demo- this was a recurring theme that the Democrats did not want to remind the American people that they actually lost some of the most consequential fights over the last couple of years. Which leads me to my second takeaway. These are 10 takeaways from the Democrat convention, instant analysis that no one else is giving you. Number two, where was the mention of Brett Kavanaugh? Did you notice that almost no one went out of their way to say impeach Kavanaugh? We are going to get rid of him. It was the worst thing that ever happened. This is a massive learning lesson for Republicans. Brett Kavanaugh is more popular than he ever has been in public approval. Why? It's It's because Republicans drew the line. They said that we are not going to give an inch. We are going to get this justice confirmed to the Supreme Court, that we are not going to allow lies to go without us confronting them. If only Republicans fought as hard as they did with Brett Kavanaugh on every other issue. It seems as if the Brett Kavanaugh fight really animated Republicans in a very special way because they realized the multi-generational stakes that the Kavanaugh confirmation had. They understood that if Kavanaugh was not confirmed, that if he was borked, if you will, then it very well might have lost the Republicans, their Senate majority, all of their relevancy in the public eye. And quite honestly, they would not have been able to deliver any sort of tangible results from the Keep the United States Senate. And in a very unlikely fashion, the 2008 midterms were not great in the U.S. House of Representatives, but the United States Senate, the Republicans grew in the U.S. Senate, which is a massive deal. That is so rare to happen, and it's because of Kavanaugh. The Democrats launched an entire political attack on Kavanaugh. You remember the people that were literally scratching the doors of the Supreme Court? I walked the streets during the Kavanaugh protests. Some of our most viral content, those of you guys watching on YouTube, you guys can go back and watch those videos as soon as we're done tonight. Some of the most viral moments that I ever had were going up against these activist Kavanaugh protesters that were inciting violence that were coming up against you, that were threatening me, that were trying to get me arrested. And so I saw firsthand the hatred that they had for Brett Kavanaugh. Yet after all of that organizing, they really don't mention it once. They don't mention it at all the last four days. Now, they might have mentioned it once. I might have missed it. I saw almost all the convention. I might have missed 20 minutes here and there. There was was a little bit too much musical singing. And by the way, the, uh, the musical number yesterday uh, in Spanish, while that individual who had a nice voice, but he was obviously lip syncing, was walking and the entire shot was just graffiti. I was like, is this really the kind of country that they want to sell to the American people? I think, was it Stand By Me in Spanish? I think it was Stand By Me in Spanish or something like that. It was, was, again, I have nothing against the song. I think it's a little bizarre to try to communicate to swing voters in Spanish. I think that English should be the official language of the United States. However, I, I just, I just, during that time, I kind of tuned out. So if I missed the Kavanaugh Part of it, then I'll stand corrected, but it wasn't an emphasis. I think that's fair. I think that there was no emphasis at all on Kavanaugh. In fact, I do not think he was mentioned at all. 
Whether you're working from home or working in your fitness, you want to know what you're listening to to actually be what you're listening to. Everyone needs a good pair of wireless earbuds. But before you drop hundreds of thousands of dollars on a pair, check out our wireless earbuds from Raycon. You already know that Raycon earbuds start about half the price of any other premium wireless earbuds on the market and that they sound just as amazing as the other top audio brands that you know. Their newest model, the Everyday E25 earbud, are the best ones yet. With six hours of playtime, seamless Bluetooth pairing, more bass, and more compact design that gives you a nice noise-isolating fit. Unlike some of the other wireless options, Raycon earbuds are both stylish and discreet with no dangling wires or stems to distract anyone during video calls. Now's the time to get the latest and greatest from Raycon. Get 15% off your order. Buy Raycon.com slash Kirk. They're terrific. You guys are going to love these earpods. 15% off at buyraycon.com slash Kirk. Buyraycon.com slash Kirk. Here's my third biggest takeaway from the DNC was the inherent contradictions in the message. The inherent contradictions in the message were that while you had an entire kind of narrative that was being painted to try to get Republicans to come home, for example, let's think back to, I think it was the first night when John Kasich, they just found John Kasich in a meadow. And I just want to make something very clear. This is not a convention. And for the Republicans next week, I believe the Republican convention is going to be terrific. All of you make sure you tune into it. I think it's going to be phenomenal because there's a lot to learn from this. This was not a convention. This was a series of Democrat political advertisements. It's not a convention. Big difference. This was as if they just put together every single advertising firm in the Democrat tickler file or in the Democrat portfolio. And they said, let's just all together create ads around every single kind of oppressed grievance group and then put it on television. A convention I would have recommended to them have at least some form of a central stage, at least have some sort of an area of continuity. All the different parts, it just felt so scattered. But the contradictions is something that's really important because while they were saying Joe Biden even did it in his own speech tonight, he said, we're going to bring this country together around science, around compassion. And then literally 30 seconds later, he's saying that Donald Trump represents a vital threat to the republic. And with it, he says that it's a new nastiness that has been brought to the entire political conversation. And he, I mean, it almost went as far to say that people that support him. And so you can't have it both ways. And it was a contradiction throughout the entire four days. And so I I think back to the Republicans come home message. Hey, John Kasich was trying to say, hey, come on, come and vote for us. Meg Whitman, the same. And then previously they had the Washington, D.C. mayor. I think her name is Muriel Bowser. I might have that name a little bit off, but I think it's Muriel Bowser. I apologize if I don't have it uh, right in front of me. Muriel Bowser says we are going to rewrite the laws completely and totally. And so you think to yourself, wait a second, is it Republicans that are embracing this as kind of a centrist candidate? Or is this a fundamental revolution under someone who has no idea what's actually going on? And that kind of segues to my my fourth takeaway here of the Democrat National Convention. Two Ds. This was dismal and it was depressing. I mean, if I was watching this as just a foreign citizen or if I was watching this as a foreigner, I would think quite honestly that the country was in complete and total irreparable harm. I would think that no I, I would think that the country was suffering from such systemic issues that there was no hope in sight. I think this is really where the Democrats failed. And I'm going to tell you where actually the Democrats, I think they did something correct, believe it or not. I'm going to compliment them. I think they did a couple things right. I'm going to tell you that in a second. But this is where I think they really missed an opportunity. The Democrats had an opportunity to excite people around something specific. 
So the Bolshevik, Bernie Sanders, who missed his calling by, by about 100 years in the Russian Revolution, this is something he does really well. I got to give Bernie Sanders credit. He gets his followers specifically excited about something. He gets his followers excited about something that they can believe in, something they can articulate, something they can see, something they can touch, and something they can see that can impact your life. President Trump also has this gift. The Democrats missed a huge opportunity to do that this week. It was a lot of platitudes, very little specifics. And we'll get to how there were no solutions either. However, let's just talk about specifics. I think the Democrats missed an opportunity where they could have had some very vivid imagery of people, of, of even pop, like, I don't want to say, I don't think pop, Democrat ideas are popular, but this is something that Bernie Sanders does really well. He's like Medicare for all. Okay, free stuff. That's a specific thing. Now, I can understand why the Biden campaign didn't want to do that. I can understand why the Biden campaign didn't want to embrace some of these Democrat socialist or just socialist ideas. I can understand why they didn't do that on the outset. However, just the endless platitudes, just the endless one-liners or these idiomatic phrases, if you will, it just kind of bored the audience. You want people to sit up and see the future and grasp it and vote for it and, get, and say, yes, I'm going to go vote for that. Instead, this and this goes to my next point. It was so dismal, it was so depressing. Instead, if you kind of look at the tone level, right? And I think this would be a really interesting poll to take. I don't think it's going to happen because it would take a very specific group of people. It would probably be very expensive to do. If you just took a focus group or a control group of 100 citizens that are not very involved in politics and you had them watch the Democrat convention and you ask them, do you feel better or worse about America after watching this? Every single one of them would say worse. Now, some would say that's exactly the Democrat strategy, right, is that they need to make people feel so ho so awful about America that they will not go vote. This is actually, I think, a failed strategy to defeat an incumbent. So I actually think this is not the correct way to defeat somebody politically from the presidency. This is, I think, I think the Biden campaign just committed a huge act of political, the best way to word, I think is just a political misstep or just of a political mistake, quite honestly. So the, the, the status, the orthodoxy would be that you try to make people feel so terrible that they will go vote for whomever is in office. Well, it's really hard to beat an incumbent. We know that. The last time an incumbent was beaten was was beat was in 1992, H.W. Bush, largely because of a third-party candidate, Ross Perot, who was very similar to Trump, talked about the issues of trade, talked about the issues of culture. And before that, the last time an incumbent was beat was in 1980, Ronald Reagan against Jimmy Carter. Reagan didn't really run against Carter. He actually got people excited about something different. He talked about Believe it or not, his phrase was make America great again. Believe it or not, his phrase was about, you know, a morning in America, about an exciting new America that we could believe in. The same could be said for Bill Clinton in 1992. Bill Clinton in 1992, he did not win necessarily on just getting people to feel awful about H.W. Bush. It, Ross Perot did plenty for that. But he had that famous phrase, I feel your pain. It was very empathetic. Now, that would probably be where Joe Biden needs to land here, but Bill Clinton also ran on very specifics of people, a, a lot of specifics, a lot of aspirational ideas. And quite honestly, my idea and my kind of entire playbook of how I look at these things is the more interesting candidate usually wins. Whoever gets talked about more, whoever gets more people animated, whoever gets more people excited typically wins. Now, that is not a law, but it's a general rule. And I would say that when you have the tone level of your convention, basically be like, oh my gosh, we have so many problems. What's even the point? 
and your candidate is not able to fix those issues, then you have a problem. So Mitt Romney tried this back in 2012. Mitt Romney tried to create a referendum on Barack Obama. Mitt Romney tried to make people feel so terrible about Barack Obama. Guess what? Things were not great in 2012. Job numbers were not great. Economic numbers were not great. GDP was not where it needed to be. The debt was rising dramatically. We were getting embarrassed abroad. We had Benghazi. We had a mess all across the Middle East. The Arab Spring was handled incorrectly. Obama was apologizing for our country. Obamacare was wildly unpopular. But the Democrats had a great convention that year. They had a much better convention than Mitt Romney in 2012. I was at the Romney convention in 2012. The Romney convention felt a lot like what Joe Biden's convention was right now. All the phraseology was about the referendum, about the status quo, where Barack Obama was very smart in 2012. Again, I think Barack Obama is one of America's worst presidents. I think that he was very effective at trying to, and not just trying, but getting America to have a huge lurch to the left. However, I give credit to a political mastermind when I see one. And David Axelrod and David Plouffe were some of the best political workshoppers we've ever seen. And they got someone with no skills, a little, uh, no political skills, a fair amount of charisma, had a good capacity to be able to, um, to be able to, um, let's just say, articulate ideas and, you know, that to become president. And so before I go even further into that, Please email us, freedom at charliekirk.com. And all of you guys watching, make sure you guys subscribe to The Charlie Kirk Show. Type in Charlie Kirk Show right now to your podcast provider. During this broadcast, we will give away five signed copies of the New York Times bestseller, MAGA Doctrine. I will sign them for you. For five people that subscribe to The Charlie Kirk Show podcast and email us, freedom at charliekirk.com. So I went back to the 2012 convention. Uh, Going back to the 2012 convention, the Obama convention was more exciting. Bill Clinton gave a 48-minute speech. Um, the entire the, the one lo- one liner that really resonated back in 2012 was I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but it's basically it was Osama bin Laden is dead, but General Motors is alive. Right. So it was kind of this beautiful juxtaposition of death and rebirth and forward thinking. People were excited at that convention. I was at the Romney convention in 2012. I don't want to say people were not excited, but they were more ma- motivated on referendum than on a future They're more motivated on removal than on restoration. So it's really hard to win a political race on strictly removal. Can you make the case for Joe Biden without saying the word Trump? Benny Johnson made this point on our live stream last night, which was, can you make the case? And I'm getting all the uh, emails from you guys, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Email us while we're doing this. I'm just getting all these emails in from you guys. So thank you. But can you guys make the case for a Biden presidency without saying Donald Trump? Can you say something like Joe Biden is really the person for the job because of this, this and this? Probably not. So the fourth point that I'm articulating here is how dismal and depressing this was really kind of goes to show that the Democrats believe their path to victory is making you feel awful about your country. And so I think right now, as the great Phyllis Schlafly would say, this is a choice, not an echo election, that we need broad differences. And I think the Republican convention is going to be the celebration of America that all of us have been waiting for in a lot of different ways. So this goes to my fifth point, my 10 takeaways from the Democrat convention. For those of you that are just tuning in, we are on number five. This is Donald Trump's race to win. Donald Trump now is in a phenomenal position that if he continues to articulate the American way of life, if he continues to talk about first principles, freedom of speech, 
Western civilization, rebuilding our economy, this is his race to win. This can happen very, very quickly. We're not talking about a lot of people that need to be late-breaking in Donald Trump's category. I think the Democrat convention was so unpersuasive, they were playing it very safe. Going back to some of the political rules that I have, I believe the more interesting candidate wins. The more interesting you are, the more compelling you are, the more persuasive you are, the better you are at being able to communicate these ideas. Here's, here's my test for political kind of victory. We know that built into the U.S. population in battleground states, about 41 to 42 percent of the population, they're going to vote for Trump no matter what. About 41 to 42 percent in certain states lower, some certain states higher, are going to vote for Biden no matter what. The person that is going to win is when you have nine family members around the table and seven of them all know how they're voting. And the last two will either decide to vote or not vote on something that excites them, not something that upsets them. You see, this is the risk that the Biden campaign has made. Being depressed can easily translate into not showing up. This is what we saw with Mitt Romney in 2012. There were a lot of people that did not go and vote for Mitt Romney in 2012 that hated Barack Obama. They just didn't believe in Mitt Romney. You see, being, just, just making people feel awful about the status quo will not necessarily invoke movement for people to show up to do something about it. Now, some people say, well, that's different with Donald Trump. Maybe. Maybe the pathological hatred is actually different. I don't think so. I don't think these political rules have changed that much, but this is President Trump's to win. President Trump for the next, I think it's 74 days, 75 days, the next 74, 75 days, and it was 77 the other day, so I get mixed up, but let's just say it's 75 days. For the next 75 days, it is President Trump's opportunity to convince the American people that the next four years of our country can be exciting, not depressing. I mean, Joe Biden tried to land that plane tonight. And I understand completely why he has to do what he does, because there is a lot of pain happening around. I think he's a political I think he's committing political malpractice by doing it. I think it comes across as so shallow. I think it comes across as basically someone who's trying to undercut the entire process. However, with that being said, I get it. OK, I get that during a time of crisis, one party is going to take advantage of it. OK, how, how be it, how unfair it was because conservatives did not take advantage of H1N1. But. Donald Trump being specific, saying that America is going to be self-sufficient again. We're going to be the drugstore of the world. We are going to make we're going to make our kids love America again. We are going to have the best education system on the planet that will not teach our kids hatred of Western civilization. We are going to value churches more than casinos. We are going to have more justices like Kavanaugh and like Gorsuch and less like Ginsburg and Sotomayor. We are going to have a revitalized American middle class that we are going to protect the innocent without having to tear down the productive. This country was set up around the risk seeking, around the entrepreneurs. It's also a benevolent, creative country. The more the president leans into that message, the more he's going to be rewarded. And Joe Biden is just going to be like, no, everything's actually awful. Don't believe that. You see, America's a very forgiving nation. Now, I don't mean that in the way that you might initially interpret. I'm not saying they're going to forgive a mistake that someone might make that's so difficult. But I do mean forgiving in the sense that I think people widely accept that this pandemic was a Chinese phenomenon. They must be held accountable. And as long as in the next couple weeks, especially to next week, the president can already show lower case numbers, lower death numbers, lower fatality, higher likely to, li likelihood to be able to survive. If the president can continue to communicate that, then you, put, you pair all these different pieces together, then 
It's the president's to win. That's my fifth takeaway. Here's my sixth takeaway from the Democrat National Convention. There were no specific solutions. I said this earlier, but where were the actual solutions to these problems? Complaining endlessly and just saying, well, I'm going to trust science. Well, hold on a second. It is a lot of the, a lot of the scientists here have been painting an incomplete picture the last couple months. They say, well, it's all about safety. Well, one in four young people have considered committing suicide in the last couple of months, according to the Center for Disease Control. One in four young people. Do you know that we're on pace this year to have 500,000 less babies than last year? We are on the verge of a population collapse. Alcoholism is up. Drug abuse is up. Domestic violence is up. Sexual abuse is up. Every single category that we have for a civilization in decline is up. Now, that's not a reason to go vote for Joe Biden. In fact, it's a reason that we should actually reopen the economy and do exactly what the president did so well for the first three years. And this is where the, this is where Joe Biden, I think, is really going to miss have a misstep here is that the American people are not just going to say things are bad, therefore blame the president in office. It's not that simple. It's not. In fact, I think it's a much more complex decision making process when it comes to this. I think instead it's OK, things are not where they should be. Why are they not the way they should be? And who is best to actually get us back to where we were? Well, who best to bring us back to where we were than the person who brought us to where we were right where before the pandemic? We had an economy that was the envy of the world. We already see the markets recover. And yes, the joblessness is largely because we are still shutting down our entire country. It is President Trump that wants us to play football, open up our schools, be able to look after the least of these and get our economy back open. Joe Biden did not lean into any of those issues at all whatsoever. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models of cars, it's impossible to stock all the parts that you need. In a traditional chain storefront, why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? And wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer or chooses his only brand from the warehouse. I've been through this experience. It is the worst. One reason to repair and maintain your cars is to save money, but you have to do it correctly. That's why you guys need rock auto. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto part customers for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts. Make sure you tell them the Charlie Kirk Show sent you. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to the tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. I highly recommend Rock Auto. They are an awesome company, rockauto.com. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much time for the same parts? Right now, rockauto.com, amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you'll ever need, rockauto.com. Here's the seventh big takeaway from the Democrat National Convention. And please email us your questions right now. If I select your question, you get one of the five signed copies of the New York Times bestseller, MAGA Doctrine. I will give it to you tonight. We will send it off to you. So here's kind of my seventh takeaway from the DNC convention. Ten, ten big takeaways here. Live reaction to Joe Biden lying to the American people and trying to get power and trying to make America less free and destroy the republic as we know it. This kind of positive view of Barack Obama. I'm so done with it. I I have zero patience for this kind of this deification, this lionization of this president who divided America so bitterly. I mean, you want to talk about who divided America, Barack Obama? Let's just start with how Barack Obama handled the transition process. 
You know, I felt like saying, I felt like doing this last night, but I think it's more appropriate tonight. You know, Joe Biden went out of his way and he said, we don't do this enough, but thank you, Barack. You were a great president. Hold on a second. What was great about the Obama presidency? Was it the chaos in the Middle East? Turning your back on Israel? Was it record funding to Planned Parenthood? Was it pandering to the abortion lobby? Was it illegally trying to recognize foreign nationals, border jumpers in our country as legal residents? Was it Sotomayor? Was it Kagan on the Supreme Court? Was it Barack Obama that literally trafficked weapons across the southern border uh, to Mexico? Was it with, during Fast and Furious? Was it the IRS targeting scandal? Was it the Veterans Affair scandal? Was it Benghazi? Was it Barack Obama spying on the incoming president of the United States, President Trump? And arguably, and some would say there's still things coming out on this, working with Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, and Susan Rice to try to interfere in a presidential election when, quote, Peter Strzok said, quote, the POTUS wants to know what we are doing or the White House wants to know what we are doing. I believe it was POTUS. We'll get a fact check on that. I want to be very precise. But I believe it was POTUS wants to know exactly what we are doing. What exactly was wonderful about President Obama? Was it the worst recovery of any time in our country's history? Was it the pandering to socialists? Was it his phraseology saying, you did not build that, somebody else made that happen? Was it the entire pandering of going on the world apology tour saying that we are not a great country and we apologize. No, we should be telling the rest of the world, you're welcome that we created Western civilization. Of course, we have made mistakes. We should have invaded Iraq. We shouldn't have done Afghanistan the way we did. But large, large in part, when America leads, the world's a better place because of America. It just is. It's a better place because of our values, better place because of our beliefs, our constitutional republic. Barack Obama believed in none of that. And probably more so than anything else. Under what president did BLM start under? Was it Donald Trump? No. It was Barack Obama. Barack Obama had an opportunity to really move the black community away from what I, the Al Sharptons of the world, and into an embrace of fathers back in the home, reduced gang violence, a free market economy, having the church as the center of the community, and did the opposite. Barack Obama pandered to the Al Sharptons of the world. And so this entire new narrative that Democrats are trying to create of this positive view of Obama, and I'll give Obama credit. His speech last night was very effective. He's an incredibly talented liar. He's a very deceitful communicator. Nothing he said last night, almost nothing, he actually believes, or did he actually do for eight years while he was president. And while Barack Obama was president, we saw him undermine the Constitution at every single turn, put justices and judges that do not believe in the Constitution in its written form. And yet he was in front of this massive constitutional just symbol, basically, in Philadelphia where the Constitution was originally ratified. Now, again, I give Barack Obama credit. He was an exciting candidate. He was a compelling candidate. He was a great speaker. He was able to communicate all those things. In fact, I think that we can learn a lot from Barack Obama. I think it was a it was a very interesting learning lesson how he ran his campaign. He had his campaign headquartered in Chicago, Illinois, off of the grid. He built one of the best political infrastructures we are ever going to see. He built a successful coalition of single women, of young voters and minority voters. And I give him credit. I mean, he registered more voters than he, but his team did. Now, why was he able to do that? He was a community organizer. This is what he did. I mean, 
his skill set was not negotiating with foreign countries. And yes, lest us not forget, Barack Obama literally sending billions of dollars to the Iranian mullahs, the evil Iranian mullahs, and $1 billion in cash. Let's not forget that. But Barack Obama, this, this view we have of him, that he was this wonderful president, this stoic leader, and we need to return to it. I will take any day Donald Trump's blunt truth than the well-crafted lies of Barack Obama, the anemic economic numbers, the slow descent into socialism, the embrace of Obamacare, the destruction of the American healthcare industry, open borders, turning our back on Israel, billions of dollars of cash to Iran, weaponizing the Internal Revenue Service, trafficking guns to Mexico. All of those things we should be basically saying we want nothing to do with. Now, the press views Barack Obama as a celebrity. They view him as somebody no different than Brad Pitt or George Clooney. Therefore, they must treat him as if he is a in the protected class. But we need to be very we need to be very honest about the record that Barack Obama had and the damage that he did to our country. Not to mention, he spied on Donald Trump. When Donald Trump tweets about that, he's exactly right. He was spied on. Takeaway number eight from the Democrat National Convention. We are getting your questions right here. Emails, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. And when you guys email us, we are giving away five signed copies of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. I will sign The MAGA Doctrine. We will send them out. And guess what? We are not going to send them through the Postal Service tonight. They, they got a little bit of backlog. Okay, we'll use the we'll use FedEx. Okay, so email us freedom at charliekirk.com your questions. And if you if you're a subscriber, you have a higher likelihood of having your questions selected. So I have three more takeaways and I'm going to take your questions here live Charlie on the Charlie Kirk show as we respond to Joe Biden. Takeaway number eight. And I kind of talked about this and I was just kind of did these in free form. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this one. But I said this earlier, but number eight, hatred is really hard to manifest into political votes. It's really hard to create a political referendum campaign around a singular individual. It's just really, really hard to do that. I talked about that previously and earlier, so I don't want to spend too much time on that. But I think it's worth its own point that if you just do nothing but focus on the hatred and focus on the negative, it's really hard to build a political coalition around that. Okay, number nine. Now let's talk about what we didn't see. One thing that we didn't really hear about, I think one of the most dishonest, disingenuous, and dangerous politicians in America is Andrew Cuomo. Andrew Cuomo is coming out with a book on October 13th, trying to make money off the pandemic and make Donald Trump look bad. It's so Orwellian what these people are doing. In fact, it's creepy how Orwellian this is. That Andrew Cuomo comes out with a book to profit off the pandemic when he's going and accusing Donald Trump of profiting off the pandemic. When he is projecting exactly what is happening, what he's projecting to Donald Trump what he himself is actually doing. Andrew Cuomo goes out of his way to say that this virus was the European virus. So this is number nine. Nothing on China. I think there was a mention by someone who used to run the Labor Department under somebody, uh, under Barack Obama or either Bill Clinton, where they said something about China, um, when they said something about how we are going to redomicile um, some jobs from China. That's it. Nothing about holding the Chinese Communist Party accountable. Nothing about holding these tyrants, 
that spy on us, that brought the virus over to us, that built Confucius Institutes on our college campuses, that deindustrialized our economy where we shipped jobs overseas, that are building islands in the South China Sea, that are building a military trying to abolish our entire way of life, that are closer than ever from having an economy that can surpass ours, that has a manufacturing base that should be in our country. They are imperializing the entire world. Nothing on China. This shows the Democrats should be nowhere near governing. If you follow our commentary here on The Charlie Kirk Show, you know that I have no tolerance for pandering to the Chinese Communist Party. Pandering to the Chinese Communist Party is the great evil of today. So here's the Democrat Party. This shows how disingenuous the Democrat Party is. The Democrat Party says it's all about kids in cages. First of all, Barack Obama did that. Okay, not Donald Trump. Barack Obama put kids in cages. The Democrats lie because left is not a, because truth is not a left-wing value. Donald, Dennis Prager says that. Truth is not a left-wing value. They really care about kids in cages. They care about ethnic ethnic minorities. They care about the least of these. What about the one million ethnic Uyghur Muslims that were put in railway cars and sent off to concentration camps? Don't believe me? Go look up the footage on your own right now. Go look up the footage on one million Uyghur Muslims put on the railway cars, just like we did in 1930s Germany, and send them off to concentration camps. The Democrats are silent on China. Why? Because the Democrats are primarily influenced through their corporate donors by people that are financially in bed with China. You might say, who? Let's just start with the National Basketball Association. LeBron James. He might as well be a wholly owned subsidiary of Xi Jinping. LeBron James is not a patriot, okay? LeBron James has said far too many nice things about the Chinese Communist Party to be a patriot in my book. And the entire National Basketball Association has gone out of their way to pander to the Chinese Communist Party. Never say one thing about the tyranny that is happening in Hong Kong and people that are seeking freedom in Hong Kong. How about Hollywood? Hollywood has a diminishing market here in America. They need to sell their movies somewhere. Where do they sell them? Mainland China. They refuse to say anything about the Chinese Communist Party. All of the actors, all of the producers, all of the directors are directly tied financially to the Chinese Communist Party. All of them together like this. Well, who else you might say? Well, how about the financiers? See, this is what they will not tell you, is that the Democrats are actually the party of Wall Street. They posture, you know, big, oh yeah, Kamala Harris took on the big banks. You're financed by the big banks, Joe Biden. When your campaign was in total disrepair, where did Joe Biden go? He took a chauffeured trip down to Wall Street while Bernie Sanders was winning New Hampshire and he did a last minute Hail Mary fundraiser on Wall Street to try to get campaign cash to try to have his last stand in South Carolina. Joe Biden is only the the Democrat nominee because of Bernie Sanders, only because of Bernie Sanders, because of Bernie Sanders radicalism. It spooked and scared the entire party. It scared the entire party. Said we just have to start embracing him. Buttigieg and uh, Robert Francis O'Rourke and Andrew Yang and who else we got? Well, we got Hillary Clinton. Yeah, throw her into everyone. Go endorse Joe Biden right now. He won South Carolina and he went from there. And Bernie Sanders was left basically with his forty percent socialist base, and they were eliminated. Bernie Sanders was on his way to become the Democrat nominee, and it got stolen to him like that. We forget about that because of the pandemic. It's obvious. It's, it's it's easy to understand. There's lots of, that's happened. But Joe Biden, where did he go? He went to Wall Street. Who's Wall Street in alliance with the Chinese Communist Party? The biggest banks on Wall Street, the biggest consulting firms, they have done the most immoral, 
border should be, but not borderline illegal, but it's not illegal because our laws allow for this, but it is immoral. What is, what is legal is not, what is allowed is not always what is good. It's a very important lesson. What is allowed is not what is always good. Where Wall Street went to manufacturing plants in Iowa and Wisconsin. I'm a free market capitalist, but I'm a patriot first. I'm a patriot before I'm a capitalist. I'm a capitalist because I love my country. And mostly, almost all the time, free market capitalism benefits the country. However, when you have these Wall Street firms that go to Iowa, they go to Minnesota, and there are 600 workers, men and women, that might be making refrigerators. They might be making dishwashers. They might be making televisions. They might be making cars. They might be making tires. And these Wall Street executives say, how they go, they go and they talk to the top CEOs. They say, uh, how many people work here? 600. Hmm. Okay. What's the average wage? Well, with benefits, it's probably about $55 an hour. Well, what if I told you that we'll, we'll cover all the consulting costs of this? We'll find a bank to finance it. What if I told you you could get $4 an hour wage? And the, the owner says, but I have an obligation to all these workers. Yeah, but you want to make real money, don't you? And they say, well, I, I guess, yeah. It is Wall Street that came in like predators and shipped your jobs to China. And what do we get in return? Piles of cheap plastic and destroyed communities. That's not healthy for anyone. It's not healthy for the local church that had a shutdown. It's not healthy for the school that all of a sudden had to do budget cuts. It's not healthy for the opioid clinic that then had to open up because people had to compensate for the loss of meaning. And people say, well, Charlie, they should just go pick up their life and move. Yeah, okay, that's fine. Sure. Okay, fine. For 10% of them. But if you're realistic, when you just rob someone of their meaning like that, when they have a good paying job, and it's Joe Biden that did that, and Joe Biden had the wherewithal to have his little round table tonight, try to say, yeah, you know, we stand for the working man. No, you don't. You're the one that worked with Xi Jinping to make sure that our jobs kept on going over to China endlessly. And it was the billionaire from New York that came down the golden escalator. And he was the first one to speak truth into the zeitgeist of the political conversation. Everyone said, oh my goodness, I don't like this guy because he's actually telling the truth. I don't like this guy because he's actually saying things that are really true. He might call us out. Let's try to oppose him. And he won. Nothing on China. That's my ninth takeaway at all whatsoever. It's Wall Street. It's Hollywood. It's the NBA. That we're all in it together in interfinance collusion to influence the Democrat Party. Because you know what would happen? If the Democrat Party went after China, they'd be getting calls like crazy from their crony donors. They'd be getting calls from all the big Wall Street banks. They'd be getting calls from Silicon Valley, too, saying, can't do that. Stop it. CCP, they're good with us. We'll protect you when the real reign of terror begins. You know, when Mao's Red Guard gets deployed, we'll be the chosen few. Stop it. And the Democrats listen. You see, the Democrats right now is a corporate class. I think Bernie Sanders is more dangerous than Joe Biden. I really do. However, Bernie Sanders and AOC, they actually believe in something. They believe in something evil, immoral, very, very dangerous. Joe Biden, I think he's actually more liberal than he puts on. But right now, they're kind of, they're, they're controlled by this corporate governing class, class that right now are so influenced by kind of this cartel of corporations in every single vertical, pharmaceutical, hospital, Wall Street, Hollywood, film, Silicon Valley, you name it, Joe Biden and the Democrats are bought by it. And that means they have some they have some connection to the Chinese Communist Party. I'm seeing lots of questions pour in. We are going to get to the last takeaway. Then we're going to get to your questions. Freedom at charliekirk.com. Freedom at charliekirk.com. The last thing that was missing. Nothing on the terrorism, insurrection, or riots 
happening in the inner cities of our country. Nothing about the 600 businesses in downtown Chicago that were rioted through planned organized attack by BLM Incorporated. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren does her entire speech with those three letters BLM behind her. So she supports the insurrection happening in our cities. Nothing around the insurrection in Portland. In fact, they glamorized it. Man, I'm telling you right now, do the Republicans have an opportunity to have a 10-point boost? And I think they're going to seize it. I really do. Next week. By leaning in on this issue of civil insurrection, by leaning in on this issue of civil discord in our inner cities, nothing on riots, nothing about the disorder. Instead, they're like, these were mostly peaceful protests. Really? I mean, it's kind of like saying, I'm trying to think of a good way to kind of equivalent, equivalent, a good equivalent of that. It's kind of like saying, well, you know, Benghazi was a mostly peaceful demonstration. That'd probably be a best way to kind of put a metaphor there. Benghazi was mostly peaceful. Only four Americans died. And they they kept on saying, and Joe Biden is such a spineless hack and Kamala Harris and all of them. We say the names. They said the names and fine. Okay. They said the names of the George Floyd. I believe they said, they said Ahmaud Arbery. And, but they didn't say David Dorn. They didn't say Patrick Underwood. And if you're watching this right now and you say, who are those people? Exactly. Patrick Underwood and David Dorn were two black police officers that were killed in the insurrection that was motivated by BLM Incorporated. Twice as many black police officers died within one week of the insurrection that happened in our country than what happened in that very unfortunate and evil act in the streets of Minneapolis. Unfortunate and evil. I repeat it. I'll say it again. Not defensible. However, without any sort of context at all whatsoever, we just allowed our entire country to go into complete and total insurrection. Not at all saying that a black individual is 18 and a half times more likely to kill a police officer than an unarmed black person is to be killed by a police officer. 18 and a half times more likely. 18 and a half times. And until we have a real conversation around crime in our country, and I mean a real conversation, such as when you don't have a father, you're much more likely to commit a crime. It's that simple. It's not a racism issue. It is a systemic fatherlessness issue, period. Do you know that a black child raised by a mother and a father is far more likely to succeed in the country than a white child raised by a single mother? Not bashing single mothers. They're American heroes. Love single mothers. However, and I think it's one of the most cowardly things a man can do to abandon a woman. I think it's like the utmost cowardly thing and they should be condemned and repudiated and quite honestly mocked for what they do to women in this country. That's disgusting. However, a white single mother When she's raising that child, that child has a less likelihood to succeed in every single metric than a black child raised by a mother and a father. That shows you this this entire systemic racism is complete and total nonsense. And where is it that blacks actually are struggling the most? In Democrat-run cities. That's where they have six schools in downtown Baltimore where they cannot cannot find a black child that can read at fifth grade level. Run by Democrat-controlled public sector teacher unions. I mean, next week, the Republican Party is going to put out, I believe, an agenda of black, of school choice for black kids, of urban revitalization, being able to talk already what's been done in these cities that is positive. But the real message is this. If your entire civilization is on fire, none of that matters. None of it. And the Democrats have decided they do not want to talk about it at all whatsoever. No mention of all at all on the riots. Okay, let's get to your questions. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. So Claire has a great question. Thank you, Claire. I appreciate this. You win a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, Mega Doctrine. Why do you always separate the Chinese Communist Party 
um, and the Iranian regime from the people. Don't we all get the government we deserve? Thank you, Claire, so much. You went to sign a copy of the MAGA Doctrine. And you're probably a very loyal listener of the Charlie Kirk Show because that is something I make very deliberate. So look, um, I make a point many times that I try to distinguish, and I'm going to defend it, um, the people of China versus the Chinese Communist Party. Number one, the people of China did not elect Xi Jinping. Okay, they, they say they have some form of elections. They don't. It's total and complete nonsense. They are being held hostage by the Chinese Communist Party. Same in Iran. They do not have elections at all. See, the people of Iran were traditionally Persian, which were a more secular culture. It was not necessarily fundamentalist um, Islamic at all. In fact, the Islamic Revolution was only made possible largely because of failed U.S. intervention through our Central Intelligence Agency. However, a lot of the people of Iran have been held hostage by these theocratic Islamic maniacs, these mullahs that want complete and total destruction of Israel, of Jewish people, and of the West. And so a lot of these Iranians and a lot of these Chinese were born into it. They have no say. They are not the obstacle. They are the opportunity, right? They are definitely not the enemy. They should be communicated to as the people that can start the revolution. This was a real, and thank you, Claire, for the question. This was, this was hotly debated back uh, right before the fall of the Soviet Union, which is, well, are the people in the Soviet Union really the ally or are they also friends with the Soviet government? And once the wall fell, we saw that the people of Poland, the people of Belarus, the people of Lithuania, of Estonia, of Latvia, they're actually, a lot of them loved freedom so much they were just under this oppressive government that was controlled by the Soviet Union. Great question. So if you guys email us freedom at charliekirk.com, you guys get a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, MAGA Doctrine, just like Claire. Congratulations. Oh yeah, and also to uh, my amazing production team sent me a note. Steph Curry was also a speaker tonight at the Democrat National Convention, just to reinforce the argument I was making about how the Chinese Communist Party owns wholly the Democrat National Party through their subsidiaries. Um, let's get to this question right here. Hello, Charlie. I am a Hispanic for Trump. My question is, do you believe a federal sales tax would be better than a federal income tax? Jesus. No, I do not. I think that a federal sales tax actually is regressive. Uh, I think a federal sales tax. Now, some people say you could exempt things like groceries and things like that. I, I'm not that convinced of it. Um, I, I love the fair tax people. I think it's a creative thinking. I think we need more of it. People say, what is your ideal tax rate? 10% across the board. That's simple. Just as the Bible says, 10% off across the board, no deductions. You got it. 10% of your income, you pay 10%. That's it. And some people say, well, that allows people with a lot of money to be able to keep more money. Well, then you know what? Encourage them to give more of it away. Okay. I do not believe the tax code should be about trying to like be like trying to centrally plan our morals. Okay. I think the tax code morally should be everyone pays the same amount. That's my own opinion. I don't think it's realistic. Therefore, I think that in the progressive tax code we have, which I don't think is actually a good way to describe it. I think it's actually regressive. I think that middle income workers get hurt more than upper income workers under the progressive tax code we have. We should more simplify it and lower the rates. Thank you, Jesus. You win a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. Let's see what one we have here. You guys can keep on emailing us, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Let's do one right here. Uh, hi, Charlie. Ideas for the RNC. Can the RNC be similar to College Game Day? Make it as fun as possible. I'm thinking of College Game Day tailgate. By the way, this is Thomas. Congratulations. You want a book? Email us. We'll get one to you. Have Trump and Pence manning the grill, serving veterans. I actually kind of like that. Have a huge, con huge contrast from the DNC. I have a few highlight reels. Trump's visit to India, his ovation at Army, Navy, holding the Washington Post, Trump acquitted, Thomas. Um, look, all I can say is I think it's going to be very exciting. I love the idea of college game day. I actually think people will love it. 
um, because I think that people are missing football more than ever. I know I am. I can't believe that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are still going to be canceled. Okay, Greg says this. What is the single most important thing Republicans must do next week? Great question, Greg. Greg M with two two G's, which I am guessing you are from the South. That is usually how they spell Greg uh, in the American South. Thank you so much. God bless you. And thank you for watching. You win a signed copy of the MAGA Doctrine, Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. The most important thing that the Republicans must do next week, they must make people more excited on Thursday about America than they were on Monday. That's it. That's their goal. They have to make more people, millions of more people, more excited about our country when they wake up Friday morning than they were on Monday morning. That's it. They do that. The election is theirs. If this entire election can be a vector around our country, this is a terrain Republicans play very, very well in, really well. Democrats have to pretend and then they lose their base, right? So this is one of the downfalls of the radicalization of the Democrat base. One of the one of the problems for us is it's really hard to run up against free stuff. One of the opportunities for us is that when we actually talk about the flag, we talk about the Constitution, we talk about the American way of life, we talk around civil society and building families, all those sorts of things. All of a sudden, the Democrats, when they try to at least make themselves meet, seem more center or center right, the Democrat base, which is primarily 28, 29, 30, and 31-year-old single individuals that own nothing, that don't believe in God and don't go to church. They're like, screw that. I don't like the Democrats anymore. They want people like AOC that are constantly angry, very very bitter, I should say, very bitter, very arrogant, and very deceitful, right? So that's kind of what they want. They want the bitter, arrogant, deceitful triangle, if you will, right? That's, That's derived from the great Jordan Peterson. I think he has something similar to that. But essentially, if you are bitter, if you are arrogant, and you are deceitful, you're a perfect Democrat, right? When Democrat... When Republicans are thankful, positive, and excited and forward-thinking, oh my goodness, they're optimistic. They are, we're so thankful we live here. People want that more, right? So they call it a party for a reason. You actually go back to the actual reason why we call it a party. They used to actually have a political party. Literally, you go back way, way, way into kind of the formation of political parties. But if, and you just, again, I'm playing kind of word games right here. But if you think of it as a political party, what party do you want to go to? You want to go to that Democrat party? I mean, oh my gosh, having Billy English sing, I mean, stop. Like, that's enough of that. My goodness. I mean, it's just incredibly depressing. I'd rather have Lee Greenwood sing God Bless America or any of the patriotic songs that we love. You need to get people so excited throughout the week. And I think the Republicans are going to do a great job of this. And I, I'm convinced of it because the president is one of the greatest communicators when it comes to these things. Throughout the week, people need to be so excited. They're like, Republicans country, America. I love it. I love my country. I will go vote for it because I'm going to defend what I love. And the other things they have to do, what's their big goal? They got to get the Democrats really regretting the way they did their convention by the end of next week. That's another one of their goals. Now, the media is going to intentionally not try and cover a lot of this. The media is going to try to censor a lot of this, um, but I think that they're going to come out on top. Okay, let's take a couple more questions. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. And if make sure you guys right now, if you're watching on YouTube, One thing you could do me a favor for, we are fighting big tech censorship all the time. We're saying things that are not supposed to be said, like there are only two genders. God is real and Trump is awesome. Can you guys just please hit that subscribe button, but also the bell? Please hit the bell. Thank you guys so much. Let's get to this question right here. We just did that one. Okay. Tiffany says this. Hey, Charlie, do you think the American people and traditional Democrats are waking up more to what today's Democrats are all about at the convention? It seems the ratings haven't been great and Biden's poll numbers are actually dropping. Yes, I think things, as Ernest Hemingway would say, I said this with the great Michael Knowles the other day on our live stream, things happen gradually, then they happen suddenly. I think that the riots, the arson, the insurrection, the terrorism, 
the people that are being left with absolute nothing in the face of Democrat-sponsored insurrection, and some would say crime, some would even say terrorism, I think that that's starting to get out. And I think that people are saying, wait a second, I need some sort of counterbalance to this. Who's the person that was going to offend my country? Who's the bodyguard of this country, if you will, which is a phrase that I enjoy. Who's actually the person who's going to protect us from the malevolent mob? Donald Trump, that's the guy I want. Not the person who panders or plays nicely with this kind of crime syndicate of insurrection. Like not the person who plays nice with the 18, 17,000 criminals that have just been released from California. That's right. Did you know that 17,000 criminals have just been released from California? Do you know who the Democrats didn't mention? One name, Ibrahim Bukhani. Ibrahim Bukhani was released early from prison in Virginia by a Democrat judge, now retired. Ibrahim Bukhani was released from prison. Uh, he raped his girlfriend, abducted her, and strangled her. Not exactly someone who did a white-collar crime. Uh, raped, abducted, and strangled his uh, girlfriend. Uh, she went to the prosecutor, did the right thing, uh, testified against him, praying that he would actually be locked up for some period of time. Awaiting sentencing, uh, he was in jail. With no bond, the prosecutors pleaded with the judge not to release this guy, Ibrahim Bukhani. You guys can fact check all of this, by the way. I encourage you to do that. Ibrahim Bukhani was released from prison. As soon as he was released from prison, he went and got a firearm, hunted down his girlfriend, who I believe her name was Carla Dominguez. We're going to get a fact check on this. Um, but I think it was, I, I don't, I might have been Krista. I, I'm, I have so many names. Um, I apologize for that. Hunted her down and killed her right in front of her apartment. Ibrahim Bukhani. This is the face of the Democrat Party. The Democrats are the party of early release of prisoners pandering to the most violent criminals. And while they allow this sort of insurrection and terrorism to happen in the country. Next question. We will go to this one. I'll get to some of the earlier ones, you guys that were emailing us early. Um, let's do. Uh, let's do this one. Okay. Taylor says this, how likely do you think it is that Joe Biden will win this election by voter fraud and mail-in ballots? Well, look, if he wins, it'll probably be because of voter fraud and mail-in ballots. For those of you watching right now, I highly encourage that you go vote in person. I, I, I'm, I might, if, if you have to vote by mail, so be it. If it's for a health reason and, and you've done it before and you trust it, I'm not going to be the one to get in the way of that. However, if you're healthy enough to go to the grocery store and you feel compelled enough to go vote, I highly encourage you to please go vote in person. I really do. Uh, voting in person is far more statistically safer than just trusting the post office at this time. We know the Democrats are ones to ballot harvest, throw away ballots. I, I literally come from Chicago. I know what these people do. And in the pursuit of power, do you see the rage in their eyes? Do you see how how motivated they are to destroy Donald Trump? You're trying to tell me that they're not going to try to use that motivation to try to destabilize him. Of course they will. And so if if Joe Biden wins, it'll be largely because of that. Janelle has a great question. And guys, please keep the questions coming at freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. I will give away two more books right now. Two more books. Janelle, and if you guys win, just email us back again or our team will select you. Uh, we want to make sure we stay on top of that. Okay, uh, Janelle says this. Do you think things will get back to normal after the election? Will it be hysteria after Trump wins? Great question. Phenomenal question, actually. I don't know if we're ever going to get back to the life we had. I don't. I think, and, and I, I don't know what that will look like. I will say this, though. If Trump wins, there will be the most unrest I think we've ever seen. And then I think it's going to go away. I think that once it sets into a second term of office and the spring rolls around, the spring of 2021 in his second term, I think that people are going to get very upset with the constant state of upheaval. There will be no more election to remove him. There will not be a second term to try to prevent him from happening. Happening, And I think it will be one of the greatest death blows to the American left that we could possibly imagine. I really do. 
I think that that Donald Trump and his election is one of the few things that can preserve Western civilization and this republic from the most destructive, disintegrationist movements in the history of our country. I truly believe that. I believe that if we do not get Donald Trump reelected, then all of a sudden that mob that would be protesting outside the street of the White House will be let into the White House. That person screaming outside of the White House, throwing a Molotov cocktail at the police officer, will then go work at the Department of Justice. That person burning down a building will become invited in and go say, hey, why don't you go run housing and urban development? These people will run our government. That's what will happen if Joe Biden wins. So, and uh, by the way, her name is Carla Dominguez from earlier. Carl, Carla Dominguez. Okay, let's get a couple more questions. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Salvatore says this. When has a former first lady ever bashed a president or presidential candidate before as Michelle Obama has done? It's unprecedented. It's a great question. Well, I mean, I think that uh, was, uh, I don't know. I was thinking Laura Bush. I don't know. Maybe she did. Barbara Bush maybe did to uh, Donald Trump, but it's generally unprecedented. What Michelle Obama did basically has no precedent at all. Salvatore, you win a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. Here's a good one right here. Let's let's do this one right now. This is one is from Ryan. Hey, Charlie, love the podcast. I listen every day. Thank you. What do you think that Donald Trump's chances are today? And what do you think the October surprise will be? Well, Ryan, you win a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, MAGA Doctrine. Before I answer that, if you guys are not yet listening, you know that we do two episodes a day on the Charlie Kirk Show. Two episodes a day. I'll do the Longhorn. I might offend someone in Oklahoma or something. Two episodes a day. More so than any other conservative podcast out there, it is now one o'clock Eastern and we are still delivering content to you because I actually want to save this country. We operate with a sense of urgency to save our country every day. I believe we need to work harder. We have a country worth saving. Saving. We have something so beautiful that has been given to us by the generations before us. We have to step up and save it. That's what we're doing here on The Charlie Kirk Show. So if you guys feel compelled, please subscribe right now. There's a link, I believe, in your Facebook link right now. Uh, just t- tap on it. Hit that subscribe button on Apple or whatever your podcast provider is. It helps us so much. And email us, freedomatcharliekirk.com for your questions. Okay, what do I think the October surprise is going to be? I don't know. Um, the indictments um, might come from Durham. I sure hope they do. Uh, we saw exhibited uh, in the last couple of years that the Democrats are unafraid to use their own um, prosecutorial offices to go after political opponents of theirs or allies of Donald Trump. And so I think that is something that we must be very serious about and that they're unafraid to use the instruments of governmental power to go against people that they disagree with. Um, and I think that it if decent people rise up and demand their country back, we're going to win. If we just kind of sit back and allow Democrats to do whatever they want, it will be basically they're going to come after every single one of us. They'll kick us all off social media. They will audit us. They will try to criminally go after people that they disagree with. And I'm not over-exaggerating when I say this. If you want a decent country and a reasonable country, a country that goes basically the country that we had nine months ago is attainable again if Donald Trump wins four more years. Please subscribe to our, our podcast right now, guys. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com is the email. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Here's the last one. Why does Biden use Trump's campaign and claim it as his own? Does he think he can win by with the appropriation of Trump's policies? Great point. He actually was a lot of the stuff that, that Joe Biden was saying tonight was like cherry picking from Trump's language. It's because Trump is a visionary. It's because President Trump understood the political landscape ahead of anyone else. And he understood how to win. Our 10 takeaways were, again, there was no bragging about impeachment. 
No mention of Kavanaugh. So many contradictions. How depressing this was. It's Trump's race to win. No solutions at all whatsoever. This positive view of Obama. Hatred is hard to manifest into political victory. No mention of China. Joe Biden does not stand for the American middle class. He stands for the middle class of China. Remember that. Joe Biden cares about building the Chinese middle class, not the American middle class, and no mentions of riots or terrorism whatsoever. YouTube listeners and watchers, thank you. Make sure you hit that bell. Facebook, hit that subscribe button. You guys can always email us, freedom at charliekirk.com. We have more episodes coming out tomorrow, Saturday, special episode Sunday, and you guys are going to love what we have planned for next week. Make sure you're subscribed. Don't miss an episode. Thank you guys so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Get involved with Turning Point USA if you want to make a difference on your campus. Or if you're not a student and you want to help empower the next generation, go to tpusa.com, tpusa.com. Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. And if you guys want to help support our program, go to charliekirk.com slash support, charliekirk.com slash support. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We had a big week, even bigger one coming up next week. Stay tuned, stay subscribed. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Total Wine & More announces points with a purpose. Now through September 13th, collect five times points on wines and spirits. Points earned equals a matching donation to local charities, up to $2 million in total. Shop with us today or visit TotalWine.com. Terms and conditions apply.